This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Welcome to another episode of the Kenyan Wall Street Podcast. This is the Meet the Investor segment hosted by Ali Mwakaneno. And today we're sitting with DPI, one of the leading venture capitalists in Africa. And we want to understand um, the company, the investment thesis, and specifically uh, where they're looking to uh, put $900 million, which is one of the biggest raises that they had recently and the main subject of this podcast. Um, a little bit about Taku. His full name is Takuzo Mutasa. He's a partner in DPI and the rest you have to stay tuned to hear. Welcome to the show, Taku. Thank you very much, Ali. It's a, it's a great honor to be, to be on this platform with you today. So, Taku, let's, let's start with, uh, with a little bit of an introduction here. Um, tell us some few basic things about DPI. Why why was the company started? When when was it started? And um, what makes it different from you know other venture capitalists that are focused on the continent? Oh, thanks, Ali. So you know, DPI was founded in 2007 by Miles Morland and and Runa Alam, and the vision was really to impact Africa by choosing to invest in well-established businesses with the name of creating a lasting and a positive uh, footprint in our, in our sort of continent. Essentially, uh, you know, DPI was founded to support businesses which had a potential of high growth. And the firm really sort of exists to support companies with the potential to evolve into market leaders. If you roll forward to today, we, we've, we've had, we've, we're managing sort of three funds. Um, we're a leading impact-driven investment firm, and we're managing about $2.8 billion of, of assets, including uh, co-investment. Um, and as you sort of highlighted in your, in your introduction, we've recently successfully closed on African Development Partners 3, which is our third fund, and we managed to exceed our $800 million target for that fund, closing at $900 million with some additional co-investment capital available uh, to invest into the African continent. As I said earlier, we've seen that, especially in the last five years, Africa has been attracting uh, quite an amount of um, capital for startups. And uh, this is this is seen by, you know, uh, the number of unicorns we have, we have growing. And given that, of course, we have a large number of players and it's still growing in the continent, what makes DPI stand out? Yeah, so, you know, I think maybe one thing I should just clarify, you know, we, we at DPI, we seek to invest in medium cap and large businesses that are sort of profitable and are relatively established within their, within their markets. Now, how would I articulate our, our, our value proposition, I think, is, is probably the best way to, to address your question. And I would say I think it's probably best measured across you know three verticals of course we have multiple other ways that we add value but i'll focus on three just to to keep the, the conversation focused the first one is partnership you know we really seek to partner with management teams and we seek to work hand in hand with management teams uh throughout the life life cycle of our of our investments 
So partnership is core to the spirit of what we do and what we seek to do in the in the businesses and and, and, and teams that we that we partner with. The second element of, of sort of our, our value proposition is is really our operational and value creation expertise. You know, we've got a dedicated portfolio management team uh, that come from blue chip management consulting experience. And we and on top of that, we also have access to a vast network of operating executives and industry experts that we bring to bear in all our, our portfolio companies to really help drive value creation uh, through the life cycle of our, of our investment, as well as to help improve the, our businesses. You know, we want to always make sure that when we eventually exit our businesses, we leave our businesses in a much better place than what they were at the point of when we entered. And, and you know, the, the final sort of vertical that I'd like to just touch on is, you know, ESG and impact. You know, if you look at our, our third fund, it's the first of our three funds that has an impact-focused investment process. And our, our impact focus is really centered around three main uh, impact areas. The first is climate change. The next is gender balance. And the last one is job growth or job quality. Um, and we think, you know, it, it's tied also to what I brought up on the, on the second point. You know, we, we like to leave our businesses and our sort of surrounding communities and the countries and areas we invest in in a better place than when we sort of came in. And through our impact-focused investment process, we believe we're driving impact uh, through, our, through our portfolio companies. Those are the three areas I would want to focus on. But as I said, we do have multiple other value proposition uh, value levers that we, that, we can, that we bring to bear. I'm happy you brought that out because, um, you know, it's something that I'd love to circle back, uh, specifically um, the ESG metric and looking at um, the change in employment scene in, in Africa and the role um, which uh, partners like DPI have and can play in terms of um, supporting companies to, to further employment across the continent. But then, um, meanwhile, Let's look at the, the center stage of um, your investments here, Africa. Why is DPI Africa-focused or Africa-centric and not in Latin America or, or Asia? That's a very interesting uh, a question. And look, I think, you know, there are a number of attractive trends that have been playing out historically and continue to play out and, have, and are sustainable for the long term uh, in the African continent. And these trends are what, for us, make Africa a very attractive investment destination. So let me, let me outline sort of the five trends. You know, the first one, and then I'll come back into each one individually. The first is Africa has a very young population and a growing workforce. The second is the continent benefits from very strong demographics. The third is there's a wave of rapid urbanization that is playing out in the continent. Fourth is uh, technology and the digital transformation story that's playing out in the continent. And then the fifth one, which is a lesser focus for us at DPI, but is, 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 a, is, a, is a trend that's playing out, is really the natural resource endowment that exists uh, uh, you know, across the African continent. Just coming back to each one of those sort of five just to flesh them out a little bit. On the young population and growing workforce, you know, Africa has a very large young and working age population. 
if you just to throw a metric out there, I mean, the working age population um, is in Africa is expected to be the world's largest by 2034 at about 1.1 billion uh, sort of people. Coming into the strong demographics, Africa's got a very fast and growing uh, population. The continent has a very fast-growing middle class that is that 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 is showing sort of increasing consumption and demand for for goods and, and services. And ultimately, this trend of increasing consumption within the middle class, as well as the fact that the middle class is growing, makes uh, provides quite a demographic dividend from an investment perspective. If you play around that theme, the third point on on rapid urbanization. You know, Africa is one of the fastest urbanizing regions in the world, um, and it's you know, and by urbanization I mean you know people moving from rural centers into urban centers, and that again bodes very nicely to the to to sort of investors for for the continent. The technology aspect, what I would say is, you know, there's a there's a wave, and this is. You know, one historically, the continent has been underpenetrated from a technology perspective, rest compared to the developed uh, the developed market. But more recently, and it's really coming about as smartphone penetration is increasing in the continent. There's a wave of digital transformation playing out in a number of sectors across the continent, and that's also going to drive and spur growth uh, across the continent in multiple sectors. And then, look, the final one, which I'll touch on very briefly, is the natural resource endowment, where you know, as as you all know, I guess Ali, the continent is home to a substantial share of global resource reserves. I mean, it's not a you know, as deep we don't we we don't spend much of our time in the natural resource sort of sector. We've chosen to focus more on the consumer dynamics and the, the consumer-facing sort of narratives. And it comes back to what I said earlier about our, our sort of focus area, which is, you know, investing in companies that operate in sectors which uh, benefit from the fast-growing middle class in Africa. So we really pay on the first four um, uh, trends that, that we've seen. And that's what really has excited us and continues to excite us uh, in the continent, and we've managed to to invest around that thesis pretty much since our inception. Since you touched on sectors, Taku, what are some of the sectors and subsectors that you know DPI has previously put money in um, in the in the previous in the previous fundings that that we've seen the the company received, and where do we see the recent capital injection likely to go? Sure, and I'll talk to you just historically where where we've largely invested, and just tie it back to our earlier thesis. I think the best way to think of the the sectors historically and sort of going where we've sort of focused across the continent is really put yourself in the position of the urbanizing consumer in the continent, and by that I mean the consumer who is moving from a rural center today into the urban centers. And you have to ask the question, what goods, uh, products, services is this individual going to get increasing exposure to formalized retail? They'll get more exposure to consumer brands, so your FMCG businesses. They'll have you know, more or increasing exposure to education, financial services. And, and, and this broadly forms 
the sort of nexus of, of, of a number of the sectors that we that we that we that we that we largely focus on. I would say though, I think you know, as we're coming into our into our sort of third fund, we're seeing multiple opportunities in some of these sectors uh, going forward. You know, we're seeing a lot of opportunity in financial services, healthcare, agri business as well, uh, education, and then telco infrastructure. Abu, um, let me walk you back to to something that you discussed earlier, which was the impact focus of of DPI. As you look at um, high growth businesses is in Africa, impact is definitely one of your um, big metrics. But then Africa, as a very very um, young ecosystem, again in comparison to to America, in comparison to to Latam, in comparison to Asia there's a certain set of uniqueness. So for example, one of the ESG metrics that I know you look at is um, gender balance. From a a Kenyan point of view, I I understand that we're we're currently at around 36% women representation on on board. And from a regional point of view, I know that Africa has comparatively better gender representation when it comes to women in leadership, again, compared to other continents, we, we might be doing better, but then we're not at the 50-50 split. Um, when you look at things like, say, pollution, um, if we're being honest, Africa has a rather um, differential or rather a minimal contribution to global po- pollution compared to you know many um, other regions in the global north. How do you, how do you balance, you know, ESG metrics to suit an African environment. Yeah, thank you. So, so I guess just to just to be clear, and I guess maybe to differentiate the two, I think you know, impact and ESG are are, are linked. But I, I think the the lens through which we seek to 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 drive impact is through three lenses, and that's where gender equality uh, sort of gender balance comes in climate change and, um, and and then our last one is sort of job growth and, and, and job job quality now you know from a gender perspective I, I should also mention you know our, our third fund adp3 was actually selected as the first ever 2x flagship fund as part of a global 2x initiative which is committed to investing with a with a gender lens just a little bit on on, on this global 2x challenge you know, it's a multilateral initiative that was launched by uh, the development finance institutions of the G7 nations with the objective of mobilizing DFI, private sector, and other capital to support projects that empower women and enhance their economic participation. So you think you, you mentioned the statistic around, uh, I think it was 36%, please correct me if I got it wrong, uh, of gender representation in, 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 in Kenya. You know, I think what we are hoping to do is, at least through our investments, to be driving for better gender representation, whether that's at board level, um, at senior management level within the organizations that we invest in, and also at um, you know within the organizations that we're that we're sort of investing in, and that's really a a big big area of of, of sort of focus for. For us, as we as we work through and seek to make impact uh, on on our organization. Now, you you also brought up, I guess, how easy it is, I guess, to drive these you know drive improvements in these metrics 
uh, in the African continent relative to uh, to say the US or some of the more more developed markets. I think you know first of all, I think for us as a firm, we have you know impact in DSG. Whilst our third fund is is the one that is now been first uh, is, is the fir- is the first of our fund to be designated sort of impact focused or to invest through an impact uh, impact focused investment lens. Impact and ESG have been core to what we've done from the very beginning. And what we've found is the best way to drive this is to really introduce the impact and ESG sort of agenda very early on in our discussions with entrepreneurs or management teams. Quite frankly, during the deal sourcing or even the deal due diligence process, and make sure that there's very strong alignment in focus on these metrics and delivering on some of the goalposts that we uh, that we're targeting from an e- from an impact and ESG perspective. And where we've had good and strong alignment, we found that we're able to better achieve and deliver on those impact and ESG metrics. So. I would say to the extent you can drive the alignment between ourselves as investors and the management team who are on the ground and driving the perform driving quite frankly a lot of the the the, the achievement and implementation of these of, of these metrics we are able to 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 sort of deliver on the results in that regard hypothetical question so how different would dpi be in case it was focused on another region apart apart from Africa what are some of the lessons that you've picked up in terms of investing in high growth companies in the continent that are unique to the region and would perhaps yeah. not apply in other places you know it's a relatively difficult one because i've i've spent I've, i've very you know i mean obviously i was a i was a banker many years ago working in in, in europe and in the us um and then i did spend a little bit of time doing european private equity so i i i do I, i'm not sure i'm an expert on 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 markets outside of of africa but the one thing i will raise that is a big learning um through sort of investing in in africa is you know and i know we're speaking about africa in a very general and in a generalized way but the continent is made up of so many different countries with so many nuances um and just to illustrate this point further what makes sense as an investment in Kenya may not make sense as an investment or an you know from a sector perspective a sector that makes sense in Kenya may not make sense in Uganda a sector that makes sense in in Nigeria may not make sense in Egypt so one of the things we've learned is the importance of being local in uh you know in in the markets that you that you sort of operate and by local that means having deep local networks a deep local understanding because what a key way to deliver on the business of private equity is quite frankly having these these local networks and and and, and local access um and i think that that naturally is something that would apply in most markets you know having respect for the fact that different markets have their way of operating their business cultures and making sure that as an investor you're respectful of, of those 
one more thing, Taku. We've we've seen a couple of or we've seen a healthy number of exits on uh, or in in DPI's portfolio. Just to mention a few, we have Mansard and then we have Eaton Towers. What has been your experience, you know, um, with with exits, and um, what do you think it will take for more entrepreneurs in 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 Africa to to exit through different you know different means we have? Yeah, thanks. So, so yeah, look, I mean, we 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 have delivered on on a number of exits. Uh, we've we you know historically and obviously hoping to continue delivering on 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 more exits for our for our investors. Because ultimately, our investors do need to sort of receive a return on their capital. So I think exit is a very big focus um, area for, for for us as a firm and 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 for for the private equity industry in Africa as a whole. Now, how have we sort of thought about exit? You know, typically, what we seek to do is ensure that we have clearly defined exit routes on day one so on the way in when we're making the investments we seek to ensure we have clearly defined exit routes and a clear exit path for the investments that we're making so that we know what we're working towards and can deliver on that and we try and make the exit planning and take that on board as early as possible uh, in the investment sort of process and, and, and sort of time frame now you know i think clearly defining them is one thing the other side of of exits, and if you look at, I think you mentioned Eaton and, and Mansard, those were exited to to sort of you know international um, international strategic investors, and I, I do think you know one of the ways to to make businesses attractive to international strategics who are one part of uh, of the multiple ways a private equity fund can, can exit. Um, is really again through the quality of reporting, so improving the quality of reporting in the business. And by the way, it's not just reporting from a um, from a financial performance perspective. It also then comes into impact and ESG. You know, increasingly, you know, as I said, for us, it's always been something we've done and we're formalizing through our in our sort of third fund. But increasingly. Um, the world is very focused on impact and making sure that our businesses are reporting on the impact they're having, as well as uh, as well as implementing industry-leading best practices from an ESG perspective. We think also makes these businesses attractive, not only to international strategic investors, but also to other private equity funds that may be looking to to invest in in, in businesses. And just to to round off the thought, uh, you know, I mentioned obviously exit to strategics is one path of, of of delivering an exit. The other ways in which we can exit are you know through a sale to a private equity fund, be it an international private equity fund looking to enter the continent. Or a uh, pan-African or a pan-African uh, private equity fund, um, and then another sort of exit is obviously listing on you know whether it's a May uh, an international stock exchange or local stock exchanges across across the continent. These are all ways that private equity funds can can exit. And I think just to summarize my thoughts, making sure you've got multiple exit routes through some of those facilities. And make sure your business is well positioned to be attractive to your chosen 
exit, exit truth, exit route at the time of exit. We just to wrap up the podcast, and uh, I know earlier I I said that this podcast a central focus was um the the, the recent funding that uh, DPI received. What are some of the things that um you look for in 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 a business? Um, something that would attract you to invest in a business in Africa. So look, I mean, I think um, you know, if we start, obviously we've we've talked to the sectors uh, that we that we sort of focus. Let's start with the very first basic one. It has to be an African business. So Africa is the first the first test. The second test is obviously participating in an industry that benefits from the growth in the in the middle class. Beyond that, we're also looking for established businesses. So we're looking for businesses that are profitable or cash flow positive. Um, we, we, we know with strong projected uh, growth rates. We're then also looking for what we'd call proprietary and strategic opportunities with significant uh, with significant upside. And and I think by that, what I mean is we're looking for opportunities where we can contribute more than just you know, the capital we're investing into the business. We need to have a clear value-add role for DPI beyond just writing a check. You know, whether it's from an operational value creation perspective, tying in sort of bringing to bear our portfolio management team that I talked to earlier, or whether it's from an impact and ESG perspective, where also, by the way, we do have a, a, a dedicated team in-house that is focused on on impact and ESG uh, matters. So bringing those to bear to our portfolio companies, we like we like to play an active role in our in our in our sort of business. And then the last piece I'll touch on was the exit potential. As I said to you, uh, the business also needs to have. We need to see clear paths to deliver on an exit uh, in that business uh, at the time exit comes. Thank you so much, Taku. That's all I had for, for, for this podcast. To our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. That was Takuzwa Mutasa, uh, a partner at DPI and um, a very, very, very key resource, especially uh, for the company in East Africa. Thank you so much for joining today's podcast and uh, see you next time.